Okay, good afternoon and welcome to the San Francisco Historic Preservation Commission hearing for Wednesday, August 16th, 2023. To enable public participation, SFGov TV is broadcasting and streaming this hearing live and we will receive public comment for each item on today's agenda. Each speaker will be allowed up to three minutes. And when you have 30 seconds remaining, you will hear a chime indicating your time is almost up. When your allotted time is reached, I will announce that your time is up and take the next person queued to speak. We will take public comment from persons in City Hall first and then open the remote access lines. For those persons participating via WebEx, the password is HPC2023. And please raise your hand when public comment is called for the item you are interested in speaking to. For those persons calling in to submit their testimony, you need to call 415-655-0001 and enter access code 26647623674 and press pound twice. Uh, first, you need to wait for the item you're interested in speaking to and for public comment to be announced. To comment, you need to enter star three to raise your hand. And once you've raised your hand, you will hear a prompt you have raised your hand to ask a question. Please wait to speak until the host calls on you. When you hear that you are unmuted, that is your indication to begin speaking. Best practices are to call from a quiet location and please mute the volume on your television or computer. For those attending in person, please line up on the screen side of the room or to your right. Please speak clearly and slowly and if you care to state your name for the record. Uh, finally, I'll ask that we silence any mobile devices that may sound off during these proceedings. And at this time, I'd like to take roll. Commission President Matsuda. Here. Commission Vice President Nagas Warren. Here. Commissioner Vergara. Here. And Commissioner Wright. Here. Hopefully, Commissioner Foley arrives shortly. Uh, first on your agenda, commissioners, is general public comment. At this time, members of the public may address the commission on items of interest to the public that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the commission, except agenda items. With respect to agenda items, your opportunity um, to address the commission will be afforded when the item is reached in the meeting. Each member of the public may address the commission for up to three minutes. Again, if you're in the chambers, please come forward. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three or raise your hand via WebEx. Seeing no members of the public in the chambers coming forward, let's go to our remote caller. Hello, this is Michael Petrellis calling, and I am setting my stopwatch, so I'll go for three minutes. Um, yes, uh, this is Michael Petrellis again, and I'm representing FACT friends and allies of the Castro Theater. And I'm calling in today to give um, the Historic Commission an update on another planet mismanaging the Castro Theater. Um, since January of 2022, when another planet took control of the Castro Theater, there have been 242 dark nights at the Castro Theater. No music, no film programming for 242 dark nights so far. Looking at the calendars for another planet at the Castro Theater from now until the end of January, the calendars reveal 171 dark nights at the Castro Theater from now until the end of January. 
hundreds of dark nights in the past and in the future for the Castro Theater. Um, it is um, very detrimental to the um, commercial health of the Castro that there are no programmings whatsoever at this historic theater. What we are stuck with at this point is a dead space in the heart of Castro Street between 17th and 18th Streets. We don't have a lot of foot traffic because there's no programming, especially on the weekends. The dead space in front of the Castro Theater is filthy. Another planet is not washing down their frontage. So what are we to do at this point? The Board of Soups and this commission have given the stamp of approval to another planet to make their innovation. That's far in the future. But for right now, we in the Castro community and indeed all of San Francisco are suffering because there are no movies, no music, no nothing at the Castro Theater. If there is a way for this commission to um, uh, put it on the agenda about how do we move forward to make best use of this historic movie palace, you would be doing the city a great favor because um, the Castro Theater is not going away, another planet's not going away, and of course, neither are lives going away. So please, help us figure out how to make the Castro Theater viable and vibrant right now. Thank you. Okay, last call for general public comment. Again, if you're in the chambers, please come forward or press star three if you're calling in remotely. Seeing no additional requests to speak, commissioners, general public comment is closed. We can move on to department matters. Item one, department announcements, historic resource review application and 3555 Pacific Avenue. Good afternoon, commissioners. Rich Ucre, department staff. Um, I wanted to provide a couple of announcements on some what I hope is exciting news that we are having with regard to our historic resource review process. Um, effective September 1st, we are rolling out a new application called the Historic Resource Review Application. And in part, it's to basically consolidate all the various applications that planning has related to historic review. So right now, a member of the public can either file what we call a historic resource assessment, a historic resource determination, a part one, a part two, and all of them basically do two essential things, which is define or try and um, determine if something is historic or figure out something, um, if you have an existing historic building, figure out if there's impacts to it. So as part of some of our process improvement works related to the housing element and as well as through CEQA streamlining, we are consolidating all those applications into one easy application that the public can hopefully file whenever they have um, a project or a question about a building's historic status or historic review. Um, so this application will go live on September 1 and happy to provide more information um, uh, to the commission if they so choose, but we wanted to make you aware of it as well as the public um, on that item. And then the second item I have is just a follow-up towards an, a request that the commission had earlier on the project at 3555 Pacific Avenue. Um, I just want to give some more color into the department's determination on this specific building. Uh, so 
In short, um, this project was subject to a conditional use authorization um, and also mm -hmm. uh, a project that is going to plan on demoing it and then building um, new construction. Um, the planning department did undertake multiple levels of review for this property. We did complete a historic resource assessment, um, one of the many historic reviews that we do, um, where we reclassified it to a C. Um, as since the project was also proposing demolition, we also had the project sponsor prepare a consultant prepared historic resource evaluation um, completed by a qualified consultant, uh, Brad Brewster, who also determined that it was a C. Um, so with these two um, determinations in mind, planning did not find that the building rose to the level of being determined a historic resource um, determination. While it is an uh, example of the second bay tradition style by a master architectural firm, um, Herzog and Knowles, um, it wasn't a particularly outstanding example of their work. Um, and even within the larger oeuvre of um, the Second Bay Region uh, properties, we didn't see this as kind of being outstanding relative to other examples that we had determined um, across the city. So happy to provide any more information that the Commission may have, and this concludes my report. Thank you. I just had a follow-up question about the new consolidation of the report. Uh, I don't know. What's the new acronym you're creating? HRR. HRR. Are you going to have like some templates or samples for people? Okay. Correct. Good. So what we are, just so you're aware in terms of our rollout, we are doing a larger meeting with the kind of historic consultants on Thursday, August 31st to roll all of this out. We are updating all of our website and preservation bulletins to make sure that they're reflective of the kind of updates um, to the city's process with regard to this. Great. So. Um, we are hoping for a smooth um, roll-up, but obviously we're always happy to receive feedback um, for improvements, because um, as much as I'd like to say best laid plans are great, they often have things that we don't anticipate, and so we are happy to be nimble and fix, the, fix any mistakes or issues that might pop up. Could you let us know um, when you're having your August 31st yep. meeting? Yep, I, I will happily send a note out to the commission. I think it'd be good for us to know what the new changes are and hopefully see more applications. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Foley. Mr. Cray, I think what you're doing on that roll-up is really great. I personally appreciate it. I know the community's going to appreciate it, and I wish the Department of Public Health could learn from you all. Thank <laughs> you. Commissioner Nagas Warren. Um, a quick question on the HRR. Um, is that application and the resultant information? Um, I know previously there was the determination um, versus the full HRE. Um, is there an option for that within that application so that some property owners don't have to go through the whole um, process? Correct. So the application is basically structured so that if a private homeowner wants to complete uh, assessment or provide information on their property, they're able to. Um, alternatively, if a homeowner or a property owner wants to hire a consultant um, to prepare a, 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 an assessment of their property, they also are able to. Um, so it kind of lets you do, it gives you multiple choices for basically the same kind of work. So that way we're being a little more flexible you know, I think right now our current processes can be a little rigid um, in terms of when an uh, applicant files a permit and then that triggers one path and then it triggers another path. 
now we're kind of streamlining all of it to be one simple application, one simple fee, no more fees beyond the fees that you already pay. That way then, you know, at the end of the day, the preservation planning staff are doing what they need to do to basically um, figure out if a property is historic or not, or figure out if there's impacts um, to the historic builder or not. So we are really hoping that this moves forward um, smoothly. I know change is often um, difficult, difficult. <laughs> but um, we're, we're really keeping in mind the public's perspective on this and trying to make it simple in terms of the messaging out um, from the public. And it sounds like it, especially the fees. Great, thank you. I, I also had question? one other question for, um, you know, in reference to 3555 Pacific, um, I know, you know, we look at other properties uh, of various backgrounds. Um, some may not have a known architect or builder, um, but may have significance in a different way. Um, and the way that we're looking at this particular property is in comparison to the body of work of the particular significance aligned with it, which is the architect or the group of people that constructed it. Um, so just to differentiate when we're, you know, looking at other properties where we may not have a, uh, a person of merit that is associated with it or a historical figure, we're still going to look at it and assess it on its own merits. Um, and, you know, that is, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. So in, in the instance of kind of all of our properties, and this is why it's also helpful to have the consultant report to help flush out any other histories that we might not have picked up on our first assessment. We do this in particular for demolition, because obviously demolition means there's no building left. And so we put a little bit of a higher burden to um, property owners that want to demolish potential buildings to make sure that we are doing appropriate due diligence to research, thoroughly research the history, um, and then compare it to kind of our established body of work. So in this case, we did have the modernism um, historic context statement. So that provides a great background both mm -hmm. to the architectural firm that designed the house originally, to the style of the home, which was Second Bay tradition, um, which is you know a uniquely um, Bay Area specific architectural style. And that also then, and then we also look at other properties that we recently did call historic. So that way we do a comparative analysis as well. So particularly on the architectural end, you know, we get that well covered on, the, on that part. And then we rely heavily <coughs> on the consultant reports and the other information provided in the reports to make the determination if there's any important figures <coughs> that are associated with it or if there was any kind of important event that might have happened there. And, in all instances, we didn't find that this building rose the level of being considered historic. Um, and the reason I ask this question is because when we are looking at other properties um, on this, you know, kind of a higher plane of, of demolition, um, you know, they may not have a associated significant fee figure or feature or architectural significance, but they're still worthy of being saved um, rather than um, just saying, oh, well, if you only have an architect or person mm -hmm. is involved in it, that's the only way that you're going to, you know, the building would be saved, and otherwise you can just demolish it. Yeah. So that's, that's why I was asking that. Thank you. 
Are you taking public comment? No, not at this time. Oh, we, on this matter? Oh, I'm sorry. We, we should take public okay. comment if someone yeah. would like is, to. Is it okay if I move this? Thank you. Yeah. Sure. Hi, I'm Georgia Shudish. I wrote you an email, and I want to clarify what I wrote, uh, and I, because I want to highlight the need for better scrutiny of Second Bay tradition well, homes. Oh, I'm sorry, Ms. Shudish. Are you speaking in relation 355, to? 355, yeah. Okay. Um, that just, I have Very to make good. my little introduction to make Got it, it. palatable it. somewhat. Um, so you need better scrutiny of Second Bay tradition homes that may not be a Worcester or a Daly, but are unique and limited in number within San Francisco for many of the reasons as described in Mary Brown's 2011 survey, and as she described, are vulnerable because they are relatively modest homes in relatively pricey neighborhoods where there are intense development pressures to create multi-million dollar mansions. The Second Bay Tradition House at 355 Pacific Avenue should not be demolished, and it should not have been downgraded to a C rating by the city. It's interesting because 355 Pacific Avenue, and this is what I need to clarify because some of my things in my email were a little bit confusing, was actually listed as a Y on the SFPM under the DC Department 76, 1976 survey, just as 3579 Pacific was listed as a Y. It is not totally clear to me from that survey whether it relates to 3577 Pacific or 16 Spruce Street, as I wrote in the email. However, 3577 still maintains its A rating, even though it has two rounds of major alteration, but 355, which staff acknowledges as retaining a high level of integrity, contains many of the Second Bay traditions, character-defining features, it's not considered innovative example or full expression of the style, which I think is what Vice President Nagaswara was getting at. That was downgraded to a C. The one right next door is still an A. And the HRER for 3755 Pacific on page 21, it states that there are three Second Bay Tradition homes together at 355 Pacific, 3577 Pacific, and 16 Spruce. And but for the fact of the alterations at 3577 and 16 Spruce, there could have been a historic sub-district of these three homes that could have included 355 Pacific. It's unfortunate that these two homes could not have had better scrutiny by the department to retain the characteristics that 355 Pacific apparently retains from their own staff report. And just like the two other Second Bay Tradition homes cited in my email that have had major alterations at 20 Raycliffe Terrace, which was basically a demolition, as I wrote earlier, by H.C. Bauman, and 143 Laley Street by Camblin Wong, they too retain their A rating, as does 3577 Pacific, but not 355 Pacific. So here's the page cited uh, in the HRER for each of you, page 21, and I highlighted it. And on the back is the little notation from the PIM about 355 Pacific being in the survey, which that was, I just found that this morning. That's it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a good day. Nothing further, commissioners. We can move on to commission matters. Item two, consideration of adoption draft minutes for the July 19th, 2023 hearing. Members of the public, this is your opportunity to address the commission on their minutes. Again, if you're in the chambers, please come forward. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three. Seeing no request to speak, public comment is closed. And your minutes are now before you, commissioners. Motion to approve. Second. Is there a second? Second. 
Thank you, Commissioners. On that motion to adopt your minutes, Commissioner Vergara? Yes. Commissioner Wright? Yes. Commissioner Foley? Aye. Commissioner Nagaswaran? Yes. And Commission President Matsuda? Yes. So move, Commissioners. That motion passes unanimously five to zero and will place us on item three, Commission comments and questions. Any Commission comments or questions today? I am um, just going to make a comment that I will need to recuse myself on agenda item 5B because uh, of the proximity to my residence. Thank you. Any other, uh, Commissioner Vergara? I just wanted to uh, let the commission know that beginning with our next meeting, I'll be cutting it a little close getting here because of my uh, teaching schedule at school. But if, I, if I'm a little late, it's not through any, anything other than I'll be in class until 12 o'clock. Great, thank you for letting us know. Any other commission comments or questions? Okay, moving on, Jonas. To Very good, uh, consideration of items proposed for continuance, item case number 2023-00345-8-DES for the property at 5400 Gary Boulevard, known as the Alexandria Theater. A landmark designation is proposed for continuance to September 20th, 2023. Members of the public, this is your opportunity to address the commission on item four as it relates only to the continuance, not the project itself. Good afternoon, Commissioners, President Matsuda, I'm Kelly Groth with Supervisor Chan's office. Um, she thanks you for continuing this item. I did want to read into the record the letter that uh, she submitted to the Commission, which you should have a copy of, um, and I just noticed a typo, so I'll correct that. Um, dear Historic Preservation Commissioners, thank you for hearing the legislation initiating landmark designation for the Alexandria Theater. While it is my intent to move forward with the landmark designation, an appeal of the notice of violation for the property has been filed with the Board of Appeals. The appeals of the notice of violation is set for a hearing at the Board of Appeals for today, August 16th, 2023. Therefore, I am respectfully requesting that this landmark designation ordinance for the Alexandria Theater be continued to a future Historic Preservation Commission meeting. Before the landmark designation moves forward, I want to make sure the appeals process has been completed and my office has sufficient information on how to move forward with the landmarking legislation without imposing undue hardship on the property owner of the Alexandria Theater. Thank you for your consideration and understanding. Sincerely, District 1 Supervisor Connie Chan. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, seeing no other members of the public in the chambers coming forward, let's go to our remote caller. Hello, uh, this is Michael Petrellis again uh, from the group FACT, Friends and Allies of the Castro Theater. Uh, first of all, um, uh, as a member of the public, I um, think it's important to see this letter from uh, Supervisor Chan uh, to great disadvantage that um, the letter that was just read, a uh, print copy of it, is not available for public inspection. Uh, regarding the um, request for a continuance, um, I oppose that. Um, uh, I believe you should hear this matter today uh, because there are um, uh, uh, many questions that need to be uh, addressed in terms of 
the condition of the marquee, what may be left of the blade at the Alexandria Theater, uh, the lobby, um, and uh, other parts of the structure, um, they're, they're really in a dilapidated, um, blighted state. And um, I was hoping that today you would um, uh, provide us with answers about what exactly will be preserved and why um, at the Alexandria Theater. Um, uh, it's it's um, j just a head scratcher at this point why the supervisor um, uh, wants to landmark this property in the state that it's in. Um, and that she is now um, asking that you continue it, um, asking that you reject the request for continuance. Thank you. Okay, last call for public comment. Seeing none, public comment is closed, and just for the record, uh, Supervisor Chan's letter is available on our website. Um, your continuance calendar is now before you, Commissioners. Is there a motion? Motion to uh, continue this uh, item for to September 20th, 2023. I'll second that. Thank you, Commissioners. On that motion to continue item four is proposed. Commissioner Vergara. Commissioner Wright. Yes. Commissioner Foley. Aye. Commissioner Nagas Warren. Yes. And Commission President Matsuda. Yes. So move, Commissioners. That motion passes unanimously 5 to 0 and will place us on your regular calendar for items 5A through D for case numbers 2023-006614-LBR, 2023-006615-LBR, 2023-006719-LBR, and 2023-006718-LBR for properties at 688 San Jose Avenue, 22 Peace Plaza, Suite 501, 566 Columbus Avenue, and 10 Mark Lane, respectively. These are all legacy business registry applications. Um, maybe, could I request that we hear the 22 Peace Plaza first, and then I will recuse myself and come back for the rest? Indeed, we certainly can do that. Thank you. So we'll take up item 5B first, as uh, Commissioner Matsuda needs to be recused. We need to vote on her recusal? Um, I didn't hear what the, what the conflict was. Oh, then there's really no, oh, okay. no re need to, if, you, okay. if, it's a, if it's cut and dry like that. Thank you. Hello, Commissioners. Elena Moore, Planning Staff. We have four legacy businesses that we'll be bringing but forward. Just the one right now. Oh, just the one. Just 5B. Okay. okay, we have one that will be heard first. Good afternoon, Commissioners. Elizabeth Mao, Planning Staff. So the first legacy business application we have is for the San Francisco Go Club, the oldest continuously operating Go Club in the United States. Their history stretches back to the post-gold rush wave of Asian immigration in the 19th century. Go was played informally until the San Francisco Go Club was founded by Japanese enthusiasts in 1931 at 1881 Bush Street. 
The outbreak of World War II forcibly relocated most of the club's Japanese members to internment camps, and the club closed. Many of the members continued to play Go in the internment camps, where their skills improved significantly. After the war, the club reopened in its original location, and in the 70s, the San Francisco Go Club became a gathering place for Japanese seniors and flower children from the Haight-Ashbury scene. They say on any given day from noon to 9 p.m., you would find Japanese octogenarians playing intently with young hippies. After several relocations, today, the San Francisco Go Club is located in the Japan Center Mall and is a place for casual play, weekly lessons, and tournaments. People of all ages can be seen at the boards, and members are eager to teach and show the wonders of Go to all those who pass by. The club remains an integral part of the Asian community of San Francisco. The San Francisco Go Club is committed to maintaining a place to play and teach the ancient Asian game of Go, professional quality Go equipment, and a large-scale commemorative calligraphy given by Japanese Go player Honibo Shusai. Staff supports this application and recommends a resolution to add the San Francisco Go Club to the Legacy Business Registry. My colleague Maggie will present next after this item. Okay, we should open up public comment for this item. Members of the public, this is your opportunity to address the commission on item 5D at 22 Peace Plaza. Hello, I am Matthew Barkas, and I stand before the Historic Preservation Commission today as a proud representative of the San Francisco Go Club. Uh, with the utmost respect and appreciation, we are honored to have our application for legacy business status presented today. And I would like to extend a heartfelt thank you to uh, Rick and the dedicated legacy business team at the city uh, and their invaluable uh, assistance in navigating this process. The San Francisco Go Club holds a distinguished place in American history as the oldest Go Club. Uh, its origins deeply rooted in the aspirations of Japanese immigrants who established it within their vibrant heart of Japantown almost a century ago. As custodians of this cherished legacy, we acknowledge the challenges and trials that uh, have tested our club's resilience throughout its storied journey. Through the decades, the club has persevered and uh, has served as a bridge between cultures, uh, a meeting ground where generations gather to learn, play, and connect. The legacy of the San Francisco Go Club is not solely defined by its longevity, but by the profound impact it has had on countless lives. It has nurtured friendships, sharpened minds, and ignited a passion for the inter intricate beauty of the game of Go. As we reflect upon the journey, uh, we are uh, reminded that our story embodies resilience, community, and the unwavering dedication to those who have uh, upheld this cherished institution. As we seek uh, legacy business status, we humbly request the Commission's recognition of the enduring cultural significance of the San Francisco Go Club. Granting this distinction would not only honor our past, but also pave the way for a future where the club continues to inspire, educate, and enrich the lives of all who enter its doors. Thank you for your time and thoughtful consideration. Okay, last call for public comment on this item. If you're in the chamber, please come forward. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three or raise your hand via WebEx. Seeing no additional requests to speak. Commissioners, public comment is closed on item 5B, and it is now before you. Commissioner Foley. So I played Go a long time ago. I haven't played for a long time, which was, is, is why I now understand my mind is not sharp. So I'm going to go back to the Go Club and get my mind sharp. So I'm really glad that you're here today. So thank you. 
Is there a Any motion? other comments? Commissioner Wright. Uh, I just want to uh, say that, that I support this uh, legacy business uh, application. Um, it sounds like it's uh, a great uh, uh, organization for the community and for the cultural tradition, and um, it has um, definitely a lot of history uh, that, that it's still there, so thank you. Is there a motion? Motion to approve. I'll second that. Thank you. On that motion, then, to adopt a re recommendation for approval. Commissioner Vergara? Yes. Commissioner Wright? Yes. Commissioner Foley? Aye. And Commission Chair Nagus Warren? Yes. So move, Commissioners, that motion passes unanimously 4 to 0. And now we can move on to items 5A, C, and D. And Commission President Masuda can now return. Commissioners, before I, the staff begin their presentation, I actually just want to introduce you to a planner who has never presented before you, even though he has had a long and storied history in San Francisco. Um, Edgar Orpeza is joining us for the first time in front of the Historic Preservation Commission. Edgar was born and raised in San Francisco's Noe District. His parents are first-generation immigrants from Jalisco, Mexico, near Guadalajara. Edgar studied city planning and geography at SF State and was hired in 2005, where he worked for the Southeast Quadrant engaging in development work. Edgar's main passion and focus has always been helping small business applicants and aiding them through the permit process. For the past 10 years, Edgar's work has been in development and consultation with the department's uh, planning information counter team, and he's focused primarily on over-the-counter permit approvals and consulting with applicants on the department's permitting processes to all. Um, Edgar's overall focus has been and continues to be primarily in equity and customer service. He's been an advocate for transparency in government and his overall love and mission is to continue helping small businesses open in this wonderful city. So we welcome Edgar to the Historic Preservation Commission. Wonderful, thank you. Hello, uh, commissioners, uh, Maggie Dong, planning staff. So the second legacy business application we have is for Mitchell's Ice Cream, a 70-year-old ice cream parlor on San Jose Avenue and 29th Street. Mitchell's makes their ice cream fresh daily using a 10-gallon Emery Thompson batch freezer. They feature 40 flavors daily and use 16% butterfat in all their ice cream. The business is owned and operated by the Mitchell family. Um, prior to the founding of Mitchell's Ice Cream, the Mitchell family started a small dairy farm in Noe Valley when they first arrived in San Francisco from New York in 1865. The farm was run by Edwin Mitchell until his death in the 1890s. His wife, Margaret, leased the land to another farmer and had a three-story apartment building constructed on 29th Street and San Jose in 1908, which is where the current location of Mitchell's Ice Cream is located. The city of San Francisco proposed to widen San Jose Avenue in 1947, and the apartment building was planned to be torn down. Luckily, the Mitchells were able to save the building and had it lifted and turned 90 degrees. The liquor store on the ground floor had to close due to the widening of, Sa due to the widening of San Jose Avenue. The two brothers, Larry and Jack Mitchell, used the empty storefront to open Mitchell's ice cream in 1952. 
they started with 19 flavors and added more as the store became more popular. Currently, Mitchell's has approximately 40 employees with close to 20 being employed full time. The business is committed to safeguarding their handmade ice cream, tropical fruit flavored ice cream, and mural celebrating Larry Mitchell and the neighborhood. Staff supports this application and recommends a resolution to add Mitchell's ice cream to the legacy business registry. Um, this concludes my part of the presentation and I will pass it on to my colleague, Ed, to my colleague Edgar to present the next legacy business application. Thank you. Good afternoon, commissioners. Edgar Oropesa with planning staff. The legacy business application before you is for Mario's Bohemian Cigar Store and Cafe, a 52-year-old cafe that serves oven-baked sandwiches, paninis, pizzas, salads, and hot dishes that are all made in-house with family recipes. Mario serves many local customers from the neighborhood of North Beach and is also a common tourist destination. Mario's was established in 1971 at 566 Columbus Avenue by Mario and Liliana Crismani, who immigrated from Italy to San Francisco with their two children in 1957. As Supervisor Peskin so elegantly stated, it's long a hangout for North Beach Bohemian types and a recommended spot for other locals and tourists alike. Mario's one of the last true storefront landmarks of North Beach. Mario's is committed to safeguarding their family-owned restaurant featuring Italian dishes, a neon sign reading Mario's, large storefront windows offering sweeping views of Washington Park and their original interiors with bar seating. Staff supports this application and recommends a resolution to add Mario's Bohemian Cigar Store Cafe to the Legacy Business Registry. follow up with this presentation. Again, good afternoon, commissioners. Edgar Oropesa with planning staff. The legacy business application before you is for the Irish Bank Bar and Restaurant. A 27-year-old Irish pub nestled in its own alleyway in the heart of downtown San Francisco. The pub, originally opened in 1996 by Irish immigrants Christopher Martin and Rory Connolly, is an institution in the city of San Francisco. It is recognized by locals and being located at the edge of the financial district, Chinatown, and Union Square, a destination for tourists visiting the city and looking for a specific San Francisco experience. The Irish Bank Bar and Restaurant is committed to safeguarding their friendly atmosphere and outdoor alleyway, authentic Irish foods including shepherd pie, Irish beef stew, bangers and mash, fish and chips, a block party uh, for the St. Patrick's holiday, St. Patrick's Day parade, the building facade featuring whitewashed cottage appearance adorning with magnificent brass plaques, hanging flowers, a breathtaking ancient 19th century water pump, including an impression reminiscent of distinction rural taverns, their unique interior, Irish drinks, including a two-part Guinness pour and other fine beers, and beer lines as long as 60 feet. Although the Irish bank is not yet 30 years old, the business is eligible for listing on the legacy business registry because it's operated in San Francisco for more than 20 years, it has significantly contributed to the history and identity of Union Square, the financial district, and San Francisco. If not included in the registry, the business would face significant risks of displacement. Therefore, staff supports this application and recommends a resolution to add the Irish Bank Bar and Restaurant to their legacy business registry. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, commissioners, we should open up public comment. Members of the public, this is your opportunity to address the commission on either of these, or any of these, I should say, 
legacy business registry applications. If you're in the chambers, please come forward. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three or raise your hand via WebEx. Good afternoon, commissioners. My name is Ronan O'Neill, and I am the owner of the Irish Bank Bar and Restaurant. Thank you for this opportunity to hopefully join a list of great legacy businesses already in San Francisco, and thanks to Rick and to Edgar for all their help in putting this application together. The Irish Bank is located in Union Square, at the border of the Financial District. And unfortunately, we are at risk of displacement due to the record low numbers of pedestrians and foot traffic in that area since the mm -hmm. COVID pandemic. I moved to San Francisco from Ireland 29 years ago, and over 27 of those years I've spent working at the Irish Bank, nine as an employee and 18 as an owner. We have seen a lot of ups and downs over those years, more ups than downs, thankfully. The years since 2020 have been the hardest. If you take a two, three block radius from the Irish Bank, approximately 80 to 90 businesses have shut within the last two to three years. Buildings are locked and boarded up. We are trying really hard not to become one of those. We really want to be there to help rebuild the downtown area of San Francisco. Getting listed on the Legacy Business Registry would help us stay in business by providing the Irish Bank with recognition, business assistance, and access to the rent stabilization grant. Your recommendation is very much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, last call for public comment on these legacy business registry applications. Seeing none, public comment is closed, and they are now before you, commissioners. Great, Commissioner Foley. Um, I, I think I say the same thing all the time about the legacy businesses. And Vice President Ruchero always reminds me in front of my microphone, um, so thank you. But um, it really is the fabric of the community, and um, on the ice cream store, I used to live in Bernal Heights, I tried to get fat there, thank you. For the uh, cigar store, I walk by it all the time. I always thought I'd like to have a cigar, but they make me sick, but the storefront's beautiful. And the bar, you probably haven't been to many of these commission hearings, but I love your bar, and I like bars in general and we actually need you to keep, continue to operate and keep the, uh, the downtown going. So thank you very much. Thank you. Any other comments from the commission? I, I think having these um, legacy businesses before us gives us time to really reflect and really appreciate what um, San Francisco has to offer in terms of its uniqueness of promoting small businesses. And we try to do whatever we can uh, to keep you alive and to support you. So. Um, let's make sure that we get these businesses on the registry and let's continue to promote them. Do I hear a motion? Motion to approve. Second. Oh, Commissioner Vergara, did you have a comment? I was only going to move to approve. Great. Very good, Commissioners. Uh, there's a motion that has been seconded to adopt recommendations for approval on that motion. Commissioner Vergara? Yes. Commissioner Wright? Yes. Commissioner Foley? Aye. Commissioner Nagaswaran? Yes. And Commissioner President Matsuda? Yes. So move, Commissioners. That motion passes unanimously 5 to 0 and will place us on items 6A and B for case numbers 2019-022126COA-06 and 2021-004293COA-02 for the Spreckles Temple of Music at 55 Hagiwara Tea Garden Drive. Um, the first is a certificate of appropriate, they are both certificate of appropriatenesses. 
Good afternoon, Commissioners. Rich Shukray, Department Staff. I'm here on behalf of Michelle Langley, the assigned planner who is out of the office. The project before you are two certificates of appropriateness for Spreckles Temple of Music, which is a contributing resource to landmark number 249, the Golden Gate Park Music Concourse. The scope of, proposed, um, the, scope of the proposed projects include one, um, a permanent installation of a wood stage extension, um, outdoor lighting, and a sound system, and two, a five-year extension through August of 2028 for the art installation of the illuminated text called Lift Every Voice. Previously, the HBC approved the stage and sound system in April of 2020 and April of 2022. For the art installation, the HPC previously approved this artwork in July of 2021. Relative to both approvals, the HBC added conditions of approval to ensure that all work on the Spreckles Temple of Music was undertaken appropriately and per Article 10 standards. Department preservation staff have conducted site visits, inspected the material conditions, and have also worked with SF Rec and Park on the project and its construction. All work has met the prior conditions of approval. Since publication of the staff report, the department has received four additional public correspondences all in support of the project. Copies of these correspondences have been sent to the HPC directly. Overall, department staff recommends approval with conditions. The project sponsor is present and can answer additional questions. I'm available for any questions and this concludes my presentation. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, with that we should open. Oh. You have five minutes. Oh, um, good afternoon, Commissioners, President Matsuda. Um, I'm Kirsten Kaichmeyer. I'm a planner at the Recreation and Park Department in the Capital and Planning Division. And today I bring before you the um, state extension lighting and sound. Um, just to give you some background, um, how this came about uh, back in 2020, the Recreation Park Department, together with the SF Park Alliance, uh, worked together to put on a celebration to celebrate Golden Gate Park as everyone's park and to celebrate the 150 years anniversary of the park. Uh, one of the goals of the celebration uh, was to honor the history of the Spreckles uh, Temple of Music, also known as the Music Concourse Bandshell, and increase activation of the concourse. Um, Unfortunately, at the time, the bandshell stage use was limited due to a suboptimal stage and technical system, and um, the music concourse did not have a robust music program. So to promote increased use of the bandshell uh, as a music venue, the department installed some temporary stage improvements, um, like the wooden stage extension, outdoor lighting, and sound. Um, and unfortunately, um, the pandemic uh, kind of delayed the um, public's um, ability to enjoy these benefits. Um, so we had requested an extension of the permit um, that was initially for two years, and then we ex extended it for another two years. Um, and so that permit expires in 2024. Um, and uh, coming back to the temporary text, Lift Every Voice, um, that was approved in the summer of 21 and installed that fall. And it was approved to remain in place for two years. This was installed as part of the neighboring Monumental Reckoning art installation, uh, which features about 350 sculptures um, representing the first group of Africans taken from their homelands to live as slaves in the US. So this installation pays homage to the history of African Americans in SF in the US. 
And today, with the success of the Bandshells music program and the positive public response, we are requesting to uh, make the wooden stage extension lighting and sound permanent and to extend the permit um, of the Lift Every Voice signage by five years. So this is an image of the wooden stage extension. Um, this provides um, additional performance space and it also houses the um, sound system and some of the lights in the front of the building, uh, stage, sorry, um, so that it doesn't his, um, impact the historic building. Um, and this equipment has um, really dramatically um, enhanced the Banchal as a performance space. Um, and it is also accessible to smaller community and arts groups who uh, do not have a budget to bring in their own sound and lighting systems. These are some photos of the lighting at the Banshell. Um, so with these improvements, the um, Reckon Park has been able to uh, bring back music to the Banshell and it's become a well-loved attraction for locals and tourists alike. Um, I do want to um, stress that these installations have all been additive in nature and they do not obscure or remove any character-defining features of the Spreckles Temple of Music. Uh, the installation of the stage and um, uh, these installations uh, do not harm any of the historic materials or features of the building. All these new elements had been sensitively attached to the cast stone finishes without directly um, being attached to the Calusa sandstone. So over the last two years, uh, we've had over 1,000 performers take the stage, and they reach an audience of over 250,000 people. The performers have been international and hyper-local, representing every SF supervisorial district, and they've always been radically diverse, representing poetry, dance, and nearly every conceivable genre of music. And Reckon Park is eager to make these improvements permanent to keep the resurgence of music in the concourse. Illuminate the Arts um, is the nonprofit organization that has secured permits from, from us, and they run a series of free open to the public performances, and they've facilitated over 300 shows. In addition, Reckon Park also gives permits to other performers, such as Golden Gate Park, which performs weekly, Golden Gate Park Band, which performs weekly youth groups, um, and um, there's been fundraising events. Um, this is the, uh, uh, the, the text that we wanted to um, request a five-year extension of. Um, it is attached to the frieze of the Banshell, and um, it's the, the words lift every voice from Weldon and Johnson's song, which is often referred to as the Black National Anthem by many black Americans. And incidentally, the song was first performed in 1900 when the same year of the Spreckles Temple uh, was opened. And we asked to request uh, an extension of five years. Is my That's time your up? time. Okay. All right. Thank Commissioners you. may have additional follow-up questions. Members of the public, this is your opportunity to address the commission on this, these matters. Uh, if you care to, please come forward or raise your hand via WebEx or press star three. Seeing no one in the chambers coming forward, let's go to our remote callers. Uh, greetings, Commissioner. My name is Stefan Franz. I am the past chair and a longtime member of Prozac and current president of Friends of Lafayette Park Board. Uh, I've been in the music industry for about 40 years now, produced hundreds of events in San Francisco, uh, and I'd like to express my support for the stage extension and upgraded sound and lighting system at the Speckles Temple of Music. 
Uh, it was a dream when I performed there back in 1995 that someone would put an in-place sound and lighting system at this legendary event. Uh, I heard stories of so many bands that played there, uh, and I was amazed that every single one needed to bring in sound and lighting and power. Uh, fast forward to 2021, when live music returned at the band shell, now without the barrier of entry to having to spend thousands on rental equipment to produce shows, now allowing for the focus to be more about activation of this special place, engaging in building community, facilitating inclusion, and allowing hundreds, if not thousands, of local and established developing artists to perform at this world-class venue every year. Uh, over the uh, 300 performances later, the stage improvement, sound, lighting, adds so much to the experience, both for artists that are performing, but also for the audience that now gets to enjoy free music three or four days a week, March to November. Uh, this simply would not be possible without the sound and lighting system. Commissioners, this is where our city's renaissance is happening. Every day there's a performance. The music draws tourists in from our amazing museums and from JFK Promenade to locals who come out and support great new bands. Every week we see more and more families with picnics, dinner, snacks, uh, while listening to fun, free, family-friendly music. I don't need to tell you that our city has always been a place to hear and discover music, and the sound of our city in 2023 is passing right through Golden Gate Park. Future is bright for performers and audiences, if the band show is any indicator. Uh, the combination of wonderful and iconic outdoor music venue that doesn't charge admission and welcomes people with great local and sometimes national talent sets our city apart from most others. Uh, but by the way, the sound is amazing. Once you hear the Meyer sound system, you're transported. I'd like to close by saying that having a venue with an in-place sound system is a game changer. It creates the ability to present lots of music and performances that you can't, uh, that you could bring to public venues. This would allow for many more activations and get more music to more people. Please support making the wood stage extension and sound and lighting system permanent. Thank you. Thank you. I suppose that I could speak now? Yes, sir, go ahead. Okay, hi, my name is Pete Cronowit. I'm a singer-songwriter with five professionally produced albums. I tour nationally and internationally. I founded a small group of social justice artists called Face the Music Collective, and I'm a board member for a music industry climate group, Music Declares Emergency. Since August of 21, I've performed at the band shell a few times. I've helped illuminate and Stefan, who just spoke, uh, recruit performers for those shows. And one of those shows, we, uh, we recruited local grassroots groups to come out and support the show. I'm also lead on the promotion for the San Francisco Free Folk Festival for the last decade. Uh, this was the 47th year for the festival. And this year, I suggested and helped negotiate the festival's presence at the Bandshell. And it was spectacular. Uh, it was a huge success because it was at the Bandshell. It was the first time at the Bandshell. And besides perfect weather, there was some wind, and a few hundred bees, um, our mail is buzz, and the pun is intended, with positive feedback about the event. Uh, possibly for the first time in its existence, the area around the Bandshell, the music concourse, had music everywhere. We held four workshop areas that were full the entire day. All of the artists who performed that day played the Bandshell for the first time. One of the performers, a guy named Phil Lawrence, said it had been a dream of his to play the Bandshell 
41 years since moving to San Francisco. Another one in a band called the Under Trio. Um, their cello, as they finished the fest, thanked the festival for fulfilling a dream. This historical stage is a treasure. Having a large number of performers create culture, positivity, and community is what's needed. Artists also need to have this venue with sound, with lights, and funding. This is San Francisco that we all want to live in, so please do everything in your power to keep it going. Thank you. Hi, can you hear me? We can. Okay, great. My name is Dana King, and I am the sculptor who created Monumental Reckoning. I am calling in full support of 6A and 6B. The Golden Gate Park is a public park, and the beauty of the music concourse is just that. <laughs> it's to provide musical performances. And I would ask if all of the commissioners have been to a performance there, and if not, um, please visit it. If you have been to the concourse and enjoyed a performance there, be it spoken word, um, musical performance, uh, dance, um, whatever the engagement, you would know that this gift of of uh, the the enhancement of the of the band shell is for everyone. Obviously, the artists benefit from it, but so does the audience. And it makes for incredible entertainment, family entertainment, diversity of inter entertainment, um, and it and it is a shining star in San Francisco. I also want to support the five-year continuation of the words on the band course or shell um, facade. Lift every voice, as you have heard and know well. Uh, this iconic song. Is a beautiful song. It means so much to African descendants. And there's so much going on in this country right now that um, those simple words, lift every voice, invites everyone to raise their voice in a beautiful way on behalf of, of being here in this country. And to take those words down, um, would leave a void, I think, that would be missed terribly. So I encourage you to continue to expand consciousness in San Francisco with those words, lift every voice, and to allow musicians and artists to express their best selves at the band show. So thank you very much for this opportunity to speak to you. Hi, is it my turn? It is. Thank you. Uh, my name is Mark Allen Davis, and I'm an associate professor of Africana Studies at San Francisco State University in the College of Ethnic Studies. I enthusiastically support a five-year extension of Illuminates the Art, uh, Lift Every Voice, which crowns the Spreckles Temple of Music in the center of Golden Gate Park and stands at the top of the music concourse 
In my letter of support to you back in 2021, I addressed the momentous relevance of both Dana King's monumental reckoning, because it's so nice to hear from her, and illuminates lift every voice. I wrote in response to the question of appropriateness for the light installation to be included along with monumental reckoning. Is it not appropriate to welcome all the disparate peoples, denizens, dreamers, the demeaned and hails who live and visit our city from all over the world and the famous park at the center of this discussion to see the words lift every voice? How many life conditions would these words elevate? Would these words elevate, inspire, instruct, encourage, and embolden? How many who don't know of the existence of America's black national anthem will come to know more of the past and the present, which is as Dana's also mentioned, is in quite a bit of turmoil. I am not normally in the habit of quoting myself, but in doing so, I hope I'm able to make clear that something so simple as three words placed in light on top of an artifice that has regaled visitors and citizens in our treasured park for over 100 years can now, in the next five, achieve the same and much more by unobtrusively decolonizing and recalibrating the way we regard our public spaces and each other. Although you may not know the words following lift every voice, they are till earth and heaven ring. I feel that you all as troubadours of our great city's history will be doing something quite beautiful by granting this extension of five years to illuminate lift every voice. You will be enabling an evocation of hope and determination. And I always, what could be better than that? Thank you so much. Uh, Mr. Duderstadt? Yes. Go ahead. I wasn't sure. And you hear me now? Yes. Yeah. Great. Uh, I've lived next to the park for about 50 years. I was also one of the creators of the original landmarking document, which I think has made it all the way to the federal level. Um, I've watched the Banshell just sit languish there, unoccupied, unused until very recently. The amount of music that has been able to come in because of the speakers has been incredible. I believe I sent you all a brief uh, YouTube showing just some of the performers and how it's really been able to activate that. I really think we need to go forward with maintaining the sound system and the light and the mural are great. The sound system has made it possible for performers from all over the West Coast to come and share their music with the rest of us. And I really encourage you to make the lighting, or to make the sound particularly, and the lighting permanent. Thank you very much for your time. Okay, last call for public okay, comment. For public comment. Seeing no additional requests to speak, Commissioner, public <coughs> comment is closed, and this matter is now before you. Thank you, Commissioner Foley. Yeah, I don't even know where to start. Um, ben Davis accomplish it's actually stunning I know in the beginning when you came in front of the Commission there was worries about what was going to happen and instead of us having a function a, a, a structure that was going to continue to be dilapidated and unused and no activity we actually have a credible structure that was designed and rebuilt and it's amazing I go there all the time I see the people out there all the time we actually need to figure out a way to support people like illuminate activate these places in the city, get people back out there, and just open up the doors. So I am wholeheartedly behind everything here 
Um, I don't even know what to say how great it is. And I think that planning staff, park and rec, and what you've been able to do to help work with Illuminate to get this thing working is stunning versus what Department of Public Health does is stop everything. So thank you very much. Commissioner Nagas Warren. Um, I, yeah, I, I was out there on, on um, Sunday um, looking at the structure and it looks like it's in pretty good shape um, and the lighting looks um, good. Um, I think uh, with the stage, uh, I, I believe I read that there is a, um, a continuing maintenance uh, associated with it. So that's uh, helpful because um, obviously the wood, um, plywood over time will start to de degrade a little bit. So we wanna keep that looking good. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to mention with the um, Lift Every Voice, um, I'm in favor of continuing uh, that lighting scheme, um, but I also wanted to suggest that maybe Park and Rec could consider doing a permanent monument with you know background on that um, uh, anthem, um, and you know maybe working with the community to do something like that. Um, that way, you know that aspect of of history is is continued, and I find it compelling that the band shell was there at the same time that was first sung. So um, anyway, that was just a suggestion, but thank you. Commissioner Wright. Um, yeah, I have a question uh, that uh, about um, the, pro the flooring installation. And uh, uh, I, I think when we discussed this a couple years ago, um, there was question about uh, you know, the ability to continue to do kind of survey and assessment and, and just to confirm uh, that uh, that the installation was not causing any damage to the historic bandshell uh, materials. And, and I just wonder if, if staff knows if, if that has happened or if anybody is able to get in the space under the stage and just make sure that, that, that the installation is still kind of um, working in that way. Yep, happy to address that. Um, Commissioners Ritsukre, department staff. Yes, our staff did undertake a site visit with Rec and Park who kind of opened up the stage for us so that we could inspect the stone underneath and we didn't see any visible evidence of pooling or additional deterioration uh, beyond that. So the program of kind of deferred maintenance that the um, Rec and Park included in the CFA is to basically ensure that ongoing we can kind of routinely monitor um, what's going on with the stage, knowing that you know the wood is there, might deteriorate over time, and to ensure that you know if there's any kind of weather events or other um, issues that might happen due to natural deterioration, the Rec and Park has the ability to kind of fix it um, without having to go through more administrative process. Yeah, the, the <clears throat> excuse me, that, that's great. I just wanted to make sure that was happening, and um, and it sounds like all is well with that. I, I do also remember, um, and I think that it's described in the package, but that uh, there was supposed to be um, a repair campaign following the removal in um, when this installation sunsetted in um, two years, and I am curious if the repairs have already been done or if the repairs are now supposed to happen, um, or if that's pushed out another five years, uh, do we know? 
Uh, is this in regard to the lift every voice, the sign? I, I believe, uh, well, I, it, I think the language was kind of general. So I yeah, don't know what's the, what's, the, what's the amount of repair that's been done the original, uh, relative to the amount of repair that needs to be done. Yes, I can speak to that. Um, according to the uh, conditions of approval, uh, Reckon Park did um, do a conditions assessment and a maintenance plan. We worked with a qualified consultant um, and uh, we have contracted with a trade tradesperson that is experienced um, in working on restoration. Um, and uh, well, the, the um, conditions assessment showed that the band shell was in relatively good shape, but it just needs some minor repair and restoration work. Um, so we're getting that process started um, in November of this year, um, and it should take about three months. So the, the whole facade of the building is going to. So get there's going to be a full rehab of the. The like the, 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 the stonework. Yeah. Um, the, uh, starting in November. In for November, three and it should last three months. I'm not sure if I would characterize it, Stacy Radley. Um, Capital um, and Planning Director at Reckon Park as a full rehab. Okay, it's yeah. addressing the structural analysis that ARG did to um, identify if there were any glaring needs of the building to keep it in good working order. So we're mm -hmm. doing some work on the um, on the rooftop and and then some of the facade work as well. But it, it's not it's not a full rehab because it's not needed. That that, that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> But any kind of stone repair that needs to happen, um, repointing work um, of the mortar joints, that's, that's happening as part of this. It's not pushed out um, further. That's right. We had okay. planned on doing it during the 150 year, and then that didn't work out. And so now we've been able to identify funding and have, um, we went out to bid earlier this year, so they're ready to go in November. And, and so this is addressing any kind of known um, issues that have come out of the conditions assessment? Yes. Great, thank you. Mm -hmm. um, that uh, one of, I, I have another question while I'm um, going here. Um, let's see. Uh, my, I guess my last kind of comment, uh, maybe for discussion amongst the commissioners, uh, is about the signage. Uh, it was installed um, with the intent of being a temporary installation. Uh, my initial thoughts um, were that um, kind of prior to today um, or this week were that we should um, respect the initial timeline. Mm -hmm. um, the comments that have come in have kind of swayed my thoughts on that, uh, but I, I do have some reservation about um, extending for a full five years. Um, you know, maybe another year or two, and then reassessment, uh, since it was intended to be temporary, um, seems appropriate rather than, you know, tripling the amount of time of the initial approved timeline. Um, but I'm open to uh, hear what other others think. Mm -hmm. Great. Maybe we'll table that and let uh, Commissioner Vergara make his comments. Um, and I was actually going to suggest uh, some uh, additional language to the certificate of appropriateness. I don't know if Commissioner Foley want to go first, or should I just go right ahead? I I don't think we're ready for a motion yet. If we're going to discuss the particular timeline of the signage. Okay. 
Go ahead. Yeah. Again, I, I think that the five years is actually too short. I think we have to stop stopping people from creating exciting places in San Francisco. We have to stop it. We have to let these people create places where people can get excited, communicate their life, and have events there. How many people have been there in the past couple of years? 250,000, 300 events? That's called bringing life back to the city. Go walk downtown, it's dead. We have to stop the chaos. We have to help people. I think we have to go for five years. Commissioner Vergara? Yes, and uh, first I'd, I'd like to associate my, myself with all these positive comments about this uh, proposal. Uh, and I have uh, a two-part proposal, and it's based on a recommendation that was sent to us by uh, Professor uh, Cherney, mm -hmm. uh, a longtime uh, history teacher at SF State and a member of the commission that uh, went before this commission. Uh, and the first is uh, to add language to the certificate of appropriateness, the draft motion under findings on the second page, findings part two, project description, following that first sentence that ends with the words through August 2028, add language uh, saying, these words are a shortened version of the title, Lift Every Voice and Sing, a hymn written as a poem in 1900 by James Weldon Johnson, who went on to be a leader of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. In 1919, the NAACP called Lift Every Voice and Sing the Negro National Anthem. So that's the first part of my proposal. And then the second part, in keeping with uh, what has already been mentioned, I propose that the commission recommend that the Rec and Park Department install appropriate signage on or near the Temple of Music uh, containing wording similar to what I just said. Um, I was very much uh, 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 impressed by the argument that Professor Cheney made when uh, he point, attorney made when he pointed out that if you're at the music concourse, there are monuments to the various people of ethnicities and nationalities who have built San Francisco, uh, and lift every voice and sing is completely in keeping with that, uh, particularly highlighting the black Americans who have built, uh, helped build San Francisco, particularly since the, uh, the migration during World War II. Uh, and so that's my two-part proposal. I think uh, Commissioner Nagas Warren had recommended that we go maybe even a movement forward, uh, more, more toward an actual creation of a new monument, uh, either near this particular area or I would say some somewhere in the park because um, I, I agree with Professor Cherney's comments and I thoroughly support your motion about the first part. But I also believe, um, as he states, that yeah, there, there are a lot of monuments in Golden Gate Park, but I see very few dedicated to people of color um, and to, I think, have more information about communities of color in the park because we are a city where there are many people of various ethnicities and various backgrounds that we try to do as much as we can to support that part of history, and that's part of what our priority of racial and social equity is about. So um, I kind of support what Commissioner Nagas Warren was getting at, and I don't know if you want to go even further, but I think that that um, can capture, I think, what 
we want to do in terms of, um, you know, really promoting what history is about in the city. How about if I second um, Commissioner Vergara's uh, motion, but with the addition um, that we actually uh, ask Park and Rec and Planning Department to investigate how we can put up a monument for uh, Yeah, commissioners, I was actually going to, I'm talking with Rec and Park right now, and we, they might be able to provide some additional color in terms of the conversation and Commissioner Nagaswaran's suggestion. They've been working towards this to a certain degree, so I'll invite um, Rec and Park up to the podium. Um, yes, as the, you know, the city is working um, through the um, Monuments and Memorials Advisory Committee, right, to make recommendations on what is already within Golden Gate Park and the city's um, Arts Commission portfolio and make recommendations to keep, shift, add. Uh, so we want to be really respectful of that process that's happening and be able to adjust. So, you know, we would prefer to to keep be as open and flexible as possible so that we can let that process move forward and then implement the recommendations. Um, we don't know what those are yet, but we would plan to, you know, should it be within the music concourse, the recommendations, we would come back and share any new um, elements with all of you. Recommended. Um, go ahead, Mr. Sucre. Yeah, and just to hit upon some of what um, uh, Professor Cherney might have been suggesting, it sounds like um, Bob was suggesting to maybe encourage Rec and Park to introduce an interpretive panel or something right. that kind of helps better define the artwork right. um, that was installed on there. And in talking with Rec and Park, it seems like it's something that uh, is doable. So if we wanted to add a condition of approval, I might suggest that the commission add something that states um, planning department preservation staff would work with um, SF Rec and Park to um, provide some type of interpretive panel or exhibit um, to the Lift Every Voice um, artwork um, somewhere within the music concourse. And then that gives us enough flexibility to ensure that both the panel isn't interrupting any of the kind of um, important historic features that are there, and it's also cited and sized in a location that both is, um, you know, kind of maximizes view, but also minimizes impact, if that makes sense. I, so. I, th I think that people would maybe be uh, agreeable to that in terms of the creation or installation of an interpretive panel, but I think we should also encourage that, that the Department of Rec and Park go beyond that and really look to finding ways in which all communities of color are represented in the park's history. Yeah, I, I, if, if, if you were inclined, you can uh, um, potentially amend your motion with a finding that basically encourages that for a wreck and park. Um, and then staff would help draft up that as part of the certificate of appropriateness. Great. So I'll, I'll amend that, my, my last second to the motion, to highly uh, recommend park and rec that they work on this. Pretty important. Is there a second? Second. Thank you, commissioners. There is a motion that has been seconded to um, approve both certificates of appropriateness, adding finding, adding findings as submitted by Commissioner Vergara. 
um, and including a finding encouraging Rec Park to include monuments representing all ethnicities. Would that be sufficient? And then adding a condition of approval for preservation staff to work with Rec and Park to install an interpretive panel somewhere within the music concourse. On that motion, Commissioner Regar? Yes. Commissioner Wright? Yes. Commissioner Foley? Aye. Commissioner Nuggis Warren? Yes. And Commissioner President Matsuda? Yes. So moved, Commissioners. That motion passes unanimously five to zero and concludes your hearing today. Great. Thank you. We're adjourned. <laughs>